Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. All right. So I'm going to put it in speaker mode and I'm going to get off camera and turn off my mic. And Danielle, it's I, all I yours. Sent, oh, I sent you a little something in the chat. Oh. Oh, you want me to read your bio? Where's your bio? Oh, I sent it to you. Oh, oh, just so they know who they're listening to. I don't really like talking about myself. So, uh, how about if I read it at the end? Oh, it doesn't matter. That's why. Because <laughs> I don't I know just, where it know. is, but <laughs> sorry, but it, it's you. Okay. You do it. All right. Cool. Okay. Well, um, welcome, everyone. Thank you for um, joining us today, Agile for Humanity. I met Dr. Dave um, sometime back this this year and man we he just he's like the like favorite uncle you know um he's always had has a wise word he's been just very supportive um over these a few months for me they were especially difficult I'm dealing with some transitions in my life and he was just like a rock and um I'm really um I'm really like digging all the things that he's into, the not-for-profit stuff that he does with youth and technology. And of course, this topic around generative leadership, I'm all about generating new narratives that really transform the spaces uh, of leadership and where people lead. So when uh, I, I don't know how it, how it happened that, well, I don't know how it happened that I ended up speaking here, but I'm here. So a little bit about me. I um, born and raised in Chicago, and I like to say I was born on the South Side but raised by the West Side. So it's like the best of both worlds. And um, if you watch the nightly news, I don't know where you all are in the world, but here in Chicago, at least, both of those sides of town are often in the lineup, which is why I'm personally committed to um, transforming what it's like to grow up there. A few things about me that you need to know. One is that I love to learn new things. That's how I got into the agile world. I've had a, pet, a corporate background of about two and a half decades. That sounds like a long time. But I have a background in industrial engineering. I've had like, like legitimately three careers. I've been an industrial engineer, a technologist, and a teacher, um, and an agile coach. So I've had a variety of experience and I've been around a variety of teams and leaders, and I've been able to glean from that and develop my own signature system that I use in my company called Seven Wolves Consulting. And basically we help companies learn how to leverage their, uh, their the most valuable asset they have, which is, I'm sorry, Bixby, not now Bixby, it's technology for. Okay. Sorry about that. And um, so that they they leverage to be able to leverage the most valuable asset that they have, which is time. And, you know, there's a saying that says rich people buy time. And it's like, oh, you're rich. It's like, no, that's actually how they got rich is by leveraging the expertise of others. So we help uh, companies leverage teams, teamwork, technology and leadership to be able to grow their small businesses. So that's what I do uh, with Seven Wolves. And I have two boys, Dorian and Dylan. They're my heartbeat. Um, and let's see, what else? Oh, the other thing you need to know about me, this is the most important thing, is that I love to dance. So I'm that person at the party, at the whatever, wherever we are, the wedding. If you're looking for me and you ask, they're going to say she's on the dance floor. And it's some kind of funny little meme TikTok going around about that. Where's Centrail on the dance floor? That's me with the whistle and all just going at it because it's really my happy place. And I feel so alive and just detached from bills and work and responsibilities and duties. And I'm not thinking about anything. It's just me and the music, just moving my body. And I'm just, I'm just there. So that's why it's really hard to pull me off. This is like pulling me back into reality. So um, that's the most important thing. So, and also I'm just thankful that you're here. So I hope today that I share something, even if it's one thing that you can take away and share with someone else or take on for yourself um, that would help improve your experience at work. Now, this conversation today is specifically geared toward, or I'm speaking to women 
in the workplace and um, how we can leverage the fact that we're women to really help us be more successful at work versus having to morph into some created character to be able to deal with what we would call microaggressions or sexism or racism, if that applies. And it's really all about taking a step back and seeing if we can put on a new lens to look at an old problem in a new way and if it might make a difference. So anything I'm sharing here, there's nothing true about what I'm saying. There's nothing factual about what I'm saying. These are just my ideas and perspectives based on my own personal experience and the experience of you know, other women that I know are in the workspace, specifically the STEM industry. Or yeah, STEM industry, I guess that's how you say that. And so, yeah, just some new perspectives that I would request that you just try on. Don't believe anything I say, but just, you know, try it on and see what you can get. So I think that is all I need to say about that. And I'm going to start my presentation now. Let's see. Here we go. Oh, and I have an opportunity for us to ask questions at the end. And I won't, and I would take questions. You could just, if you have one, you can just blurt out because I won't be able to see um, see any hands raised or anything like that because I'll have my presentation up. All right. That's that's. Okay. So stop working, start creating is something that was birthed out of my own frustrations um, being in the workplace. As I mentioned before, I have a background in industrial engineering, okay? I wrote my first computer program when I was eight years old on a TRS-8. We're gonna talk about what that is, but it's old, okay? And uh, so I've, I have literally, and I'm, I'm just for the record, guys, I'm gonna just be very candid in my conversation. So um, not that I'm gonna be cursing, I might drop it, I don't know. But just, you know, I'm just going to be completely myself and share from my own personal experience. Okay. Um, I have only ever had one Black or African-American boss that was a man. And I've only ever worked for one woman. And she was a younger um, white, white lady. But all of my managers have always been white men. And... I'm sure at some point I dealt with some racism, possibly some sexism, possibly, you know, whatever these we've coined these terms to me. But my approach was always, hey, you're just someone doing some dumb stuff. You're just a jerk. So I never wanted to get caught up in the labels because I was afraid that it would impact how I showed up to work every day. I mean, and for me, at least, it turns out that it was a very effective approach. Um, and so I just began to deal with, um, these managers from that, right? Deal with them from, Hey, they're just a jerk. It's not about this or it's not about that. And, and I was able to be very successful and deliver some unprecedented results for a large company, small companies, because I was able to keep my focus on what was most important, which to me was making a difference and not only in what it's like to work there, but to the bottom line. So I was able to do that. <clears throat> and what I there was a an article I read about black women having the worst experience of all groups in the workplace today. And when I read through the commentary and the interviews, and then there was a whole study that I think McKinsey did, it it was very um disheartening for me. One, because you know, a lot of these women are moms and wives. And to go to work, we spend a lot of our time at work, almost most of our lives, because we're either getting ready for work, driving to work, talking about work, at work, working. A lot of us bring work home. So you're driving home like a, a, a great deal of your day is consumed with work. And so for it to be frustrating and um, hard and, you know, bring you to tears, you know, you don't just clock out 
or sign off and then that goes away. You're bringing all of that home and then it can impede how you are as a mom, how you are as a friend, you know, how you are as a spouse. So I was like, maybe I can do this talk. I'm writing a book about it to give black women a different perspective or another perspective that they might try on that may ease some of that burden of what it's like to be in corporate America. And, and I'm specifically talking to women in like leadership roles and not that this doesn't apply in other places because it can. I've found success with this in other places. And to be honest, here's where it really comes from, all the way completely raw open here, is that I found myself at 40 something, I have two kids and I'm 40 something and this little ring on my finger here, this is this is just, you know, what you call a, an accessory. <laughs> but I will gladly take this bad boy off, <laughs> okay, for another one, a different kind. But I realized, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, I'm kind of cute. You know, everywhere I go, people, you know, talk about the Coca-Cola shape. I'm like, I got the things people are buying. I have a good heart. I'm kind. You know, I could burn in the kitchen a little bit. I got some skills. Why don't I have a husband? Like, oh, it's not that crap. It's not what it is. I'm like, where's my ring? It's like, oh no, you know, you don't want to be married. I'm saying, and I'm so tired of people telling me I don't, I don't need a man. I'm like, yes, I do, I do. I don't know what you need, what you need, but I feel like I do, and I want one. <laughs> and and so I started really looking over my last relationships, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. There's a common denominator here. Oh, you know, I could talk all the smack about this guy, that, you know, these men are this, these men are dogs. You know, you get the whole story. And even at work, I tell people what's happening with me at work. Oh, they're just intimidated by you. Your boss is there intimidated. And then the problem with that is, okay, now what? Like, let's just say that's the truth. Now what? There was just no agency there, no solution in there, no way out. So I'm just stuck in this realm of world of there's something that I want, which is a great experience at work to be heard, to be seen, to be valued and appreciated um, and to be looked at as a leader and called on for, you know, to come into in big meetings and have make big decisions. And then in my personal life to be loved and cherished and have someone to hang out with, you know, like what? Like I, I want that. But in this narrative, I'm stuck with you know, this is just how it is. So when I started looking, I saw that I was, the, I, whatever I said about those guys over the years, girl, let me tell you what he did. Girl, let me tell you what he said. There was a common denominator and it was me. <laughs> it was a common denominator at work with my different bosses from all states to, you know, uh, UPS to, to responsive advisors. There was, although there was a common denominator in that they were white men, there was also me. So I said, look, let me look and see if there is something that I'm missing, something within me that, you know, is in the way of me having what I want. And guess what I discovered? You know, it was, <laughs> you know, it was, I discovered that I had developed ways of being and ways of acting that were actually impeding the very thing that I said that I wanted. And these were decisions that I made way back when about who I was and who I wasn't based on whatever happened. And those decisions were really, that voice in my head was driving how I was showing up, thus giving me the results, okay? Because if the responsibility, I always, there's a phrase a good friend of mine said to me, she says, you're responsible for your own happiness and your own effectiveness. And that was always ringing. So when I did take the look, I did, and I took some classes, I took some courses. I was like, oh, I learned about femininity and what that is and, you know, feminine power. And I just, I did all this research. And what I'm going to share with you today is kind of just the tip of the iceberg of what I discovered. And if you want to know some more, you're going to have to book. <laughs> but I'm going to just share a little bit of that and a little bit about my own personal um, journey. So, yeah. So that's where this really came from. And... When I say stop working, what I mean is working is a natural masculine. If there are any believers here, you know, um, you know, God told Adam in the book that, you know, he would have to till the ground for food. So that's working. So you're going to have to work for food. So working has and in corporate America, the, even the structures, the time, 
things starting at a certain time and ended at a certain time. This the way the corporate is structured is very aligned with masculine traits. And this doesn't have anything to do with sex or gender or sexuality or anything. It's just that certain qualities and characteristics of that are associated with what we call the masculine energy, but then some are associated with what we call feminine energy. So, but I'm going to get into the presentation. So, uh, because I just lost that point. So, all right. So this is my, oh yeah, that's what I was saying. So stop working and start creating. We can create whatever kind of experience we want, because in reality, we're creating it anyway. So now, how can we create with intention so that we show up the way we want to show up and then have others respond to us based on how we're showing up, which then creates this new realm of possibility for us at work. So not focusing on working, but focusing on creating an experience for yourself and for others. And then you do your job in between. As what I found is the minute I push pause on all that working hard, trying to prove, have the answer, do the best report, I've got more promotions and more money when I just drop back and start being a therapist in the office. I'm serious. I don't know what that was about, but I was like, listen, I'm busting my butt. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking at, you know, what I'm doing. My boss taking credit for my work because he won't invite me to the big meetings. So I just said, you know what? I didn't have any idea about this in mind at the time. I just said, you know what? If you don't appreciate what I'm doing, I'm going to stop. So I just walked around the office and was like a listening ear to others and, you know, using empathy. And and then all of a sudden I get a promotion and then I get $10,000 and then I get another promotion and then another part of the company want me to come over. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Work don't even have to be hard. When I start going, uh, instead of being the one to say, I'll do it, you know, I start going, oh, you know. I don't know, John, you really do just something like this that was fantastic last time. You know, just things like that, just different ways of approaching these everyday situations that'll give you power and freedom in it. All right, so here we go. Danielle versus Danny. So who you're talking to now, who you see on this photo, that's Danielle. That's the beautiful name that my mom gave me. And then when I turned about nine or 10 years old, I decided that girls were silly. They were catty. They were fighting, they were picking on other girls, they were mean, and I didn't want to be associated with that. Plus, I love sports. So I was just like, I don't like being a girl, I'm going to be Danny. And then not to mention my, my band director used to be like, hey, Danny boy, because my name was Danny. And my mother, she, oh gosh, she's, oh, she's so angry. She, she loved the name Danielle and then she was so mad and then I could at least spell it with an I, but no, I spelled it with a Y so I can draw little gang symbols on it. It was just, it was just terrible, honey. Okay. I said I was from the South Side, but it was just a phase in my life where I just really felt more comfortable around men because, you know, they would get into it, but then they would hang out. Like they would have words on the basketball court and they would keep playing. It wasn't not a thing. So I just really enjoy being around men. They're very direct and straightforward. You know what it is. And that's the kind of way I, that's the kind of way I was. Um, but on the flip side, I never had any issues with my boyfriends. It was always like they loved me. They did everything I wanted, you know? So I had this weird combination of masculine energy and feminine. No, actually what it is, is I had a masculine presenting because I wore my hat to the back. I dressed like a boy. I carried the basketball with me wherever I went. But the way I showed up was very warm and very nurturing and very curious and very creative. And so I never had a problem. And when I got older is when I started having a problem is when I started, <laughs> I stopped being that way and I started being very knowledgeable, very directive, very problem solving, all those things that happened as a the result of continuing to be around that energy, it kind of just, I morphed into that energy. You know, I used to have this joke that I was like, oh my God, I'm like a white man trapped in a black woman's body. <laughs> what am I going to do? And so when I discovered this, I started getting back to who I am and loving myself as a woman and really tapping into my own feminine energy, um, which secretly I believe men have no uh, physiological defense against. <laughs> and so when I started to embrace myself as, as a woman, 
then that's is when I started seeing the breakthroughs and so on. So this is me in a dress, that's fine. And then I hated it. And I remember, I remember being in Vegas. Oh wait. Don't look at this. I don't know what's happening. Here we go. Yes. So I was being in Vegas and as my friends and I were waiting to get dressed to hang out, this is how I started out, this picture on the left. And it was just taking a picture out of a joke because I was just reminiscing on my tomboy days. And then I took the picture just to show the transformation. So this is kind of what it has looked like on the inside of me is transforming from this very um, um, non-feminine kind of way of being. And so it's just really funny. So my nickname, they call me Danny Mac. That's Danny Mac on the left. And then on the right side, that's Danielle. So I had to make that kind of transformation at work as well. Okay. Now, women in a workplace are like fish out of water. We just not haven't been in the workforce that long. So from about the time that I was born to about 2016, like the women in the workforce has grown like 90% and it keeps growing and growing and growing. Not only does the gross domestic 86%, about 86 to 90% of the of GDP is controlled by women, meaning that out of all of the purchases, 86 to 90% of them, it's the woman behind the decision, it's the woman making the purchase, so on and so forth. But we're also growing a great deal inside the workplace and in leadership roles. So there isn't any precedence set about what that's like to have women um, in the workplace. And it happened so rapidly. You know, of course, a lot of women because of the war had to go to work and their husbands were off. And so here we are. We've got all these women in the workplace. And I mean, the bottom line is as much as they try to blur the lines of sex and gender and all that kind of stuff, you know, there are some kind of fundamental and that like I said nothing I'm saying is true or facts this is my my own experience there are uh, some things that are fundamentally the same across you know you hear things like you know oh women don't listen right <laughs> it's like the signs like I'm a Gemini right and I don't you know everything you read isn't necessarily true but I've seen that there are some unequivocal fundamental things that are kind of similar across the Gemini spectrum. <laughs> like if you say to somebody, hey, I'm a Gemini, everybody goes, oh. <laughs> like you either know, know one, dealt with one, or something like that. I've never had anyone go, oh, really? They'd be like, get away from me. So I'm just kind of saying like that, to, to look at it that way, all right? So let's see, by the numbers, these women in the workplace tend to deal, and this this this, this set of data you're looking at, very similar to the set of data that I saw in that report about Black women in the workplace, but they're dealing with things like feeling unheard, um, having their judgment questioned. I know for me, one time I was um, sharing some data that it took me like three hours to manipulate this data, pull all this stuff down and make some sense of all these numbers so that leadership could be able to make some data-driven decisions. And the entire call, instead of being a solutioning call, looking at the story that was being mapped out by the numbers, which by the way, numbers don't lie, people do. So we have a set of facts here that we can now determine how to move forward as a leadership team. And the entire meeting was spent like questioning the validity of my numbers. And I was like freaking livid. I mean, <laughs> I got defensive. It was just crazy. You know, that was before I found this, this, this other way of being. But these are the kind of things that women deal with, right? And it's not good. So whatever these num these numbers you're looking at, McKinsey's latest study saying that they're even worse for Black women. So what can be done? Well, they say as far as the company, there's six actions that companies can take, right? And we always say, well, you know, they need to do this. The company, the company should have this program. They should be doing these kind of things. Um, a very similar narrative you know, in our culture about what someone else should be doing. But guess what? How about we all just do play our part? So if companies were to play their part, they can do things like what we see here. Deal with the facts. Be accountable for that information. Make sure that we're hiring and promoting fairly. Uh, I'm, I was... I don't want to say I wasn't, I'm not a fan of affirmative action because I'm probably sure. I, in fact, I know I did benefit from it. My first career, first job out of college, 
I was counted. I happened to run across a report at work and I saw my name there and I saw that I represented two points for the IE department because I was a black, I was a black woman. So I was two points. <laughs> and I was looking at the list like, oh, no wonder they got to keep me. I'm two points. So they had a quota for the IE department to have a certain amount of points. So I represent to uh, a friend of mine. She was a white woman. So she was one point. So it, it's like that. So uh, that that's kind of why I feel like I, I really feel that you should hire based on a person's ability to do the job and pay me based on my ability to do the job. I'm not I'm not a big fan of equal pay. I mean, I don't really care what John is making. John's making what John's making. If I want to compare what my salary is to what John's salary is, guess what? I'm better than John. My solutions are better than John. I put more money on the bottom line. So why would I measure myself from John? Pay me what I'm worth. You know, pay me based on the results that I deliver. Now we talk merit pay, not equal pay. <laughs> so these are just some. You know some things that I think about um, when we when I hear people going on and on with these narratives back and forth on LinkedIn, it just doesn't make sense to me. So having senior leaders and managers um, be at the forefront of the conversation about diversity, make sure that an inclusive, respectful culture is present. Uh, what we talk about that a lot, but these are very conceptual things. Like how do you do that? How do you foster an inclusive and respectful culture? What does that look like to implement? Um, and how can we make the only experience rare, like being the only one in the room? I have been the only one in the room, like my entire career, I can count the number of black women I've worked with that were at my level. And I think it, on one hand, um, and when, when I say my level, I'm saying my level of leadership in the company. Uh, so here's the deal. You can't really, if people don't want to, people don't want to be in STEM you're going to make women be in STEM so you can fill the room up. Like let, like let people naturally gravitate to the roles and to the kinds of careers that fit what they love doing. And if there's an only person in the room, okay, at the end of the day, it's a person. So can we just come from that perspective? Like, but these are just, you know, these are common things that people talk about to do. And that's great. At least make these efforts and at least have the conversations. And then maybe what there is to do will come out of those conversations. Because are these the right things to do? I don't know. Um, but this is what they offer. And it looks like they make sense. But are they a creation? Or are they something that someone is saying to do? Just, you know, something to give thought to. And then there's what you can do. Now, this is what I like. Because I only have control of me, not anyone else. Uh, this is one a clip or a shot from uh, a still from one of my favorite movies. Uh, and wow, I just dropped the name of it. Uh, League of Their Own. Okay, so it's this movie, you know, Madonna's in it, Rosie O'Donnell's, uh, uh, some of my favorites. And um, that one with the big smile, she's like, but anyway, you know, I can't even think of her name right now. Anyway, this whole movie is about them spinning up this girls' baseball team, and they go through and experience all the things that we talk about, the microaggressions, the sexism. You know, there's this one line where Tom Hanks says, there's no crying in baseball. It's just so cute. But what I am asserting here is that you play your own game. Play your own. Oh, Gina Davis. Yes. Thank you, Grace. <laughs> Yes, that's her. So play your own game. You come in and you play your own game. You set your own rules and you make them play around you. I remember one time I went to this talk after work and there was this very seasoned leader professional there. And she had this concept called be like Becky. I was like, what? She was just describing the difference between how when there's an issue, how black women may approach it and speak about it versus how Becky would. So Becky is like this persona she created that when she's at work and I don't know, a male boss or a male counterpart has said something that's out of, uh, you know, out of place or something like that. She has this, she goes into the Becky thing, which is like, oh, you know, I don't know. Well, what do you think, Bob? This is really 
It's really funny. Anyway, I tried to do it, but it didn't feel natural to me, but I get it. So the point here is play your own game. And that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit is how to play your own game. Oh, let me see too. All right, let's get into it. Let me see, how am I doing on time? Not good, but that's cool. <laughs> that's cool too. Time constraints is another masculine thing. Women are flowy and free. So here's how you're going to play your own game. Every test in your life is either going to make you bitter or better. Every problem comes to break you or make you. The choice is yours whether you become victim or victor. Uh, I have a couple of little sayings here. Perception creates reality. Like how you see it is how you say it. And then how you say it is how it's going to show up. Declare that. Words <laughs> have so much power. That's where we create from. And, you know, so how you're seeing your current situation is going to... Um, impact how you be in this situation and then how you be your being your way of being you're going to be you know you see a lion you be scared <laughs> you see a man you be thirsty no just that's, that's just me oh okay anyway <laughs> so how you see him and how you're seeing what's in front of you is going to impact how you be your being and then how you be when you're scared is you run. That's what you do. Okay? And then you run away. How you be when you see a fine man, thirsty, you run to him. Let me stop. <laughs> I be cracking myself up, y'all. <laughs> I'm so making this up on the fly, but it's funny to me. At any rate, you see what I'm saying. You see it. You be it. Then you do it or say it. You take an action. That's either what you're going to say or not say, do or not do. And so if you are seeing that you're being attacked, you're going to be a certain way and you're going to say something that you wouldn't necessarily say if you felt like you were being praised or appreciated. If that sound is me. Can you guys hear that thing in the background that's happening? Yeah, people are just posting. It's all good. Let, let me see if I can turn that off. Let me see. Because it's, it's distracting me. Keep on going. Uh, Keep going. If, if you can. So. Okay. I was just trying to turn off these notifications. All right. Okay, it's off. Can I make it? Okay. So what it looks like to be a victim is this. And this is what we need to put to bed. Blaming, making excuses, and being in denial. We all kind of know what that looks like, right? You know, uh, Adam in the garden. That woman you gave me, Eve in the garden. That serpent, right? Uh, you know, we have ways of shifting the responsibility onto others when we feel like we have no control in that. Well, if they weren't this way, I'd be this way. If this wasn't, if I weren't the only one in the room, this, it would be like this. It would be like that. What happens when you do that is that now what you've done, is you've literally rendered yourself powerless in the situation. Because now someone else or something else has to change in order for you to have power and freedom in that situation. So um, take your responsibility for however it is, whether you feel like it's your fault or not, put you in a power position automatically. Making excuses. Guess what? It is what it is and it ain't what it ain't. So just really being with the what so, okay, you turn the report in late. You uh, didn't do what you said you would do. Don't make an excuse. Own that. Yeah, I said that I would have this report at seven o'clock. I did not. 
uh, going forward, I will let you know an hour in advance if I'm going to be late or whatever, whatever the thing is. Don't make the excuse though. And then don't turn around and beat yourself up. Just be with it because it isn't going to change. All it does is impede your way of being. And while you're soaking about whatever it is you'd like to make an excuse about, you're being that way, which is going to impact how you how you're showing up everywhere else. Because wherever you go, there you are. So you'll take that crap right into the next meeting. And then John stands up and he says something that would normally be okay. But because you're soaking in blame and excuses and denial, now you're responding and you feel microaggressed or whatever that victim mentality is that means that you have no power because victims don't have power. Rape victims, they're victims. They don't have power. An old lady walking down the street and minding her business gets knocked over the head and have a, has her purse stolen. She's a victim there because you, you have no agency. So when you move into a victim stance, you render yourself powerless because you're basically saying, I have no agency. And so if you have it and you see it, that you have no agency, you have no power in the situation, how do you think you're going to be? Be powerless. And what do you think you're going to say? Powerless stuff. What do you think you're going to do? Powerless stuff. Right? Stuff that creates more of the same. So let's put the victim, Stanton, the blame, the excuses, and the denial to bed. Denial is like my friends want me to be like, girl, they just, <clears throat> these men just crazy. Your boss is just intimidated by you. Could there be a level of intimidation because I was freaking smarter than all of them? Could be. But before I go there, let me get in this good old mirror. Like Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson said, start with the man in the mirror. So you can either take that stance or you can move into a victim and, and see yourself as a victim. That no matter what situation is in front of you, you have the power, you have the freedom, you have the, the know-how, you have the courage, the confidence, and, and to be fully expressed in that situation, to show up exactly as you are, taking ownership, being accountable, and being responsible, and move your life, your career, your family, your dreams forward with strength and perseverance. You know, is there going to be some things that people do you know, to, to, to yes, that's his life. It's part for the course. But you're going to find that you're going to have very limited room to see something new to do when you're living, when you're laying in a bed of blame, excuse, and denial. But when you're exercising and build up and you have your own strength, your confidence, you're curious, you're committed to whatever it is you're doing, you're taking ownership. Yep, I did that. I did that. Even when you do something well, because a lot of times women don't like to take credit. Well, we did it. It was a team. No, I did that. Yeah, that's my genius on that. I did that. And when you screw up, yeah, I did. I did that too. <laughs> I did that. And when you come from this space, when you show up and you be this way, and even when John opens his mouth, I'll be like, hmm, now how is it that I'm being that will create this kind of scenario right now? Is there something missing in the way that I'm being? Oh, I I got into it with my boyfriend this morning. Oh, that's right. Uncle Red is in town. So I'm probably a little bit more irritable than I normally am. Let me not put that on John. Let me just be quiet in this meeting and observe and take notes. Then come back later. There's so many ways of, of, of getting at the outcomes you want. If you're in a space to be able to see it. But your view will be constricted, especially when you're soaking about what this person did or that person did, or your view can be constricted because you're thinking about what happened at your last job, something in the past. Is, is, is it happening now? Is John the same as Bob? Yeah, they may both be white men, but they're not the same and that thing isn't happening. So now I get to choose who I want to be. But a lot of times, We've got this narrative that's running in our mind. We're listening to the media. We're listening to our friends. We're looking at our past. And we, has a we have a narrative that has completely stripped us from our power, from our own agency, from being free to be and free to act without all this worrying and reasoning and considerations and all that crap. So now it, 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 open, it, it gives you a new view. It's like 
It's like you looking, if you want glasses and you wear glasses and you get in the bed, you can't do nothing until you get them contacts and pop them in or until you get them glasses off the end table. If you put them on and say, oh, I can see clearly now. And so this is what this conversation is all about. It's about what will it take for us to take on a new view of what it's like to be a black woman in the workplace, whether that's, you know, you're a nurse or whether you're working in IT. Because it's never about the situation or the people. Because one thing is for sure, two things for certain. Wherever you go, there you are. So let's focus on what we actually have some control over. And that is our choice to be a victim or a victim. So how do we do that as one? In this stuff that I've studied, I took classes, I'm not the expert, this is my own experience. And what I have observed has worked. So there are a few things that we can do as women, few practices that I'm gonna share. But if you begin to implement some of these daily, what will happen is that feminine energy, which would have you show up in what, in, in, uh, and I should, you know, I should have had a slide, but in your spare time, just go to Google and look at the difference between what they call masculine traits and feminine traits. Because what happens is when you show up and there's a lot of masculine energy and you bring masculine energy, masculine energy wants to compete. So if, if, if you're behaving in ways that's, that's, uh, that, that fall in line with those, be prepared to compete. Be prepared to compete. Like, you know, uh, there was a time I would argue back and forth with my boyfriend. I'm yelling and I'm, and I'm loud and I'm arguing and I'm making points and I'm problem solving and he louder. I'm not going to win that game because that's their game. Competition. My game is collaboration. My game. It's empathy, you know? So when I discovered some of this, I started trying it out. Now, let me try this. Now, it was hard to keep my mouth shut. I'm not even going to play. Okay. Good goodness. I was like, Danielle, just be quiet. Quiet. Don't say, don't say nothing. And he going and going and going. And then I just reach over and I touch him on the shoulder. And I say, baby, I understand. I see how, you know, you, you know, that what I did would make you feel that way. And, you know, I'm sorry. Is there anything else? Yeah. And da, 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 da. I got that. Anything else? Conversation over with. Guess what I get? Guess what I get for Christmas? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just cool. That's just one of the ways that I was able to shift a dead end conversation and to have it more love and affinity and more connectedness out of an argument that would have never happened before. So there are practices and things that we can do as women to build up that feminine energy so that we have that we show up in this collaborative way naturally. Because everything around us, I remember a time in the 80s, women was wearing shoulder pads uh, in their suits because they had telling you that you got to be like a man and look like a man if you want to move up the ladder. And I say, why we got to do all of that? Why can't I just be my natural, beautiful, beautiful, feminine self? What if I want to bake some cookies and bring them into the office? That's what I do. Guess what? People love the cookies. Oh, my God. Then, yeah. Yep. Guess what? Now they want to do work for me. We ain't supposed to be working. We're supposed to be creating. People are supposed to be, they're supposed to be working for us. I don't understand. <laughs> so the divine feminine. Traits that are most often so associated with the feminine are things like connection, empathy, nurturing, and emotion. She is pure energy and flows and changes like the water of a river. She has a diffused awareness, thinking many things at once, and she finds details and intricacies that escapes the masculine. She is born to receive. She is most identified with her feelings and craves love deeply to feel fulfilled. Bring this to work, man. When we play our own game, everybody wins. Some of these companies need people who are able to see the details and the intricacies and bring empathy into their leadership. I mean, everything we're hearing about now, we were talking about it at the beginning of this call, is about the empathy, you know, being empath empathetic when you're a leader. Well, we do that. We have that naturally as a trait. I mean, and again, there are different levels of masculine and feminine traits within us. What I'm suggesting is that if you want to, if you want to win at work and, and you identify as a feminine woman, these are things that will will uh, 
will help you be more of that because over time you just kind of, like I say, I was a white man trapped in a black woman's body. I picked up a lot of traits. You know, I remember one time I just had my feet up on the desk. Just put my feet up on the desk. I'm like, now where did I get that from? Tom, because he would do it. I would walk in the office. He would be sitting back like this with his feet up on the desk. Now, I don't have that kind of behavior. My mother would have knocked me out. I want to sit up with feet on the table or the coffee table, please. But Tom felt perfectly fine doing it. One time I was at Northern Truck and I had my feet on the desk. I'm like, what are you doing, child? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to dare to be feminine. Now, this is a short clip of um, uh, this, uh, this, this speaker who I really like. It's her TED Talk, Miss um, Darmoni. And she talks about the power of moving your body and dancing. Now, I did this talk in a workshop and we all danced and it was great, but we're on Zoom, so we don't need to do it. But in the talk, she says how you can generate that feminine energy by dancing. So sometimes you're at work, get you a 30 minute break, turn a little house music on, dance, move your body, go for a walk, but get in tune with your body. Everything around us in, in, in this country right now legitimately has women hating their bodies. The lips not big, the booty not big, anything that we could change, like whatever it is about your body, like we're so disconnected from it when our power lies in it. I mean, we birth life. So to be disconnected from this power source, move your body, touch, you know, hug yourself, touch yourself the way you want to be touched. There's just different things you can do to create that sense of connection and love with yourself first. So she just shows some dance moves, different dance moves that you can do um, to really re get reconnected with your own body. So that's pretty much what that video is about. It's not It's not as fun if we're not dancing together. Okay. Spend time with mother. Go for a walk. If you're in the middle at work, if there's a forest nearby, or forest preserve, whatever. Just go sit by a tree. 10 minutes a day is all you need. Really just reconnect with, with the earth. Put your feet in the soil. That's just something simple you can do. It doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot, all of these things that I'm sharing. So um, spending time with Mother Nature, a short walk. I don't know, people hug trees, pick up some leaves. But just reconnect because all of this, what you see in the world, all of that has energy. Everything is alive. And when you get reconnected with, with that aliveness, it's just the same as eating eating something dead versus eating something that's alive. It, it creates something different, energy, electrolytes and things in your body. So spending time with mother, then kick it with your girls. It's been proven that women gain power from being around other women. Now, every movie you ever see when the girls get together, we end up just talking about guys, but that's okay because we do other stuff too. <laughs> like drinking wine and, you know, sharing about what's happening. But it's so important to have a circle of women. You know, they don't have to know all your personal business. You know, I hear phrases like no new friends and I don't deal with women. And when I hear a woman say that, I know I shouldn't deal with you probably because they probably not the problem you are. <laughs> but just have a circle of friends that maybe once a month you get together and just have dinner because we get energy from being around another. Um, there were there are old uh, practices that our ancestors did when a woman gets is going to have a baby. All the women in the community in the village come around her, so she gets to be with her baby. They might do do the chores that she would normally do and just care for her and make the meals and tend to the children while she's bonding with her baby. We don't do those kind of things anymore because we got what six weeks back to work. We pumping in the bathroom. It's like crazy. So we have to do things that we know work to enhance and to pump up that feminine energy. And for those of us that work at higher levels in corporate and we're a lot around, around a lot of men, you probably got to do a little bit more to balance it out. This naturally is going to build that, that, that prowess for you. And you'll find that it will just organically have you showing up in different ways. So make time to kick it with your girls. And then of course, love the skin you're in, whatever complexion, whatever shape you're in. I mean, I've got Okay, the, the song Brick House, if I was alive, they would have been writing it about me. Oh, she's a bad mama jamma. Yep, that's me. 34, 24, 36. Well, not now. Back in the day. Listen, that's me. But I absolutely hated my shape. 
because everybody has something to say. I bet I could sit a coke, a, a glass on that table. All that backyard and no pit bull is just like you know from one extreme to the next. Is it real? Can I touch it? It's just I just hated it, and that caused me to disconnect from it. When really, if I had known that 2023 was going to look like this, oh my goodness, all my bills could be paid, huh? I would really wouldn't have to work. I'm, just I'm halfway serious. But I just, I'm recently just getting into just embracing, you know, my body. Even though people are like, girl, please, you got the kind of body I would pay, you know, that everybody paying for. I die for that body, you know? And I'm like, that's fine for you, but to have the experience in it, you never know, you know, if a guy just wants to talk to you because of your body. You know, I'm like, does he see me? Does he see my heart? Does he see my mind? I said, one day, you don't need to worry about all that. He can't, he ain't worried about your brain, child. <laughs> so I, you have to love the skin you're in. And there's a, there's a, there, I want to, to, to test this out with you guys. So in the workshop, I said to the ladies, I'm going to ask you one question. And I know all of you know the answer. And I promise you, you all have the same answer, very close. And I said, and when you all answer it, I want you to answer it together. And I'm going to do my hands like this, like a choir director. And then I want you to say the answer all together. And so right now, for those of you that can or are still with me, I'm going to ask you all this one question. And then just type it in the chat what you think the answer is. Okay. And on one, two, three. So this is a, this is a question. What is the number one thing? that men find attractive about a woman. Go. Just type it in the chat. Oh, to see what I'm gonna see what we get. Oops. <laughs> no, okay, now women. Okay, that's funny. All right, okay, okay. I don't have any responses for the women mindset. Oh, this is just all oh, men. Okay, I think I, I just stepped in on a toe. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's very interesting that only the men responded. But in all of the magazines that I've ever read anywhere, it always says the same thing, okay? The Esquires and all that is, and maybe maybe these magazines are wrong. Maybe I should listen to y'all because that's one thing women don't, they don't listen when y'all talk, okay? But um, it says confidence. And unfortunately, you can't buy that at the beauty supply. Confidence is something about your way of being. So this is why you can, you know, I've had people like, how she get him? Why he with her? Or if you get cheated on, it's like, did you see her? It's like, man, he's looking so beyond what she looks like on the outside. Now I'm sure y'all like the boobs and butt <laughs> and body and, uh, and mindset. Okay. But essentially, a man will find trust and connection in a woman who's secure with herself. Whatever she looks like, whatever her career is, whatever she's doing, that she's so secure with herself that she can be vulnerable, she can be open, and then that's how he connects with her. So now she's vulnerable, she can say, I was wrong. She can say, I did that. She can be with all of her emotions, the range of her emotions throughout a day. She can be with all of it. She's comfortable being sad, happy. She's comfortable being afraid. And she's comfortable sharing that with him. Now, what? That gives him space to also be able to share as well. So in order to do that, to create that vulnerable space, right, you yourself have to be comfortable with your own feelings, your own emotions, your own ways of being. So Love the skin you're in. Get up, work out, not just to try to get a, a, um, a Brazilian butt or a bubble butt or whatever, but just put good stuff in your body. Drink water. You know, it, it does wonders in other areas when you drink good water and pineapple and things like that. So just love the skin you're in. Take care of your body. Take care of your mind. Take care of your spirit. And that's going to then translate how you show up. I remember when I was working out, oh my goodness, I looked like a superhero. My whole walk was different. John says something, I don't care because I just have so much, you know, I've been working out, moving my body, being in tune with myself. That, that, that crap just rolled off my shoulders because what I realized is that you just scared. I get it. You're afraid to make mistakes just like me. Your wife ain't giving you none. I understand. You come to work, you you want to take it out of somebody else. It's cool. It's fine. Say what you need to say for yourself. But I'm good over here. 
Learn to enjoy receiving. I can't say this enough. I ask my friends, hey, what's up? What you need? Girl, I'm good. I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. I'm blessed and highly favored. We got all the things like never let them see you sweat. I mean, we're to the point where we won't even let our own friends know that we don't have any food in the refrigerator. We won't even let our friends know. Hey, we feel by remember I have a friend named Angel. Sometimes we would call just like, hey, listen, I need $20 for gas. I'll give it right back. I'll give it right back to you. We just don't want nobody to know that we're dealing with something. And that's crazy because like, we're like, we love each other. And like, I would be upset. Why didn't you tell me? Like learn to enjoy receiving. And I promise you, if you start to learn to enjoy receiving, more people start showing up to do things for you. I figured out I don't have to do everything at work. I can begin to leverage my teammates that like my boobs and booty. Hey, listen, you got to do it. You want to look up over here, John? Great. That's fine. Um, You know, John, I was having trouble trying to figure out this spreadsheet and I just don't know how how much time I'm going to be able to, if I'm going to be able to do this and do that. And you're really good at spreadsheets. Oh, I'll do it for you. Cause guess what? John, I want to be my hero. That works at work. That works with my sons and that works with my boyfriend. And it's not that you're playing a game. It's just that I am being honest and vulnerable. I really don't have the time and the bandwidth to do this. And John really is good with spreadsheets, but I wouldn't normally say that if I'm living out, of, you know, I got to prove myself at work. No, I'm going to try to do all the things. So stop working so hard and start creating an experience. Now, I created an experience for myself of not having to do all that work. And guess what? I created an experience for John because now John gets to be my hero. PD, and it's good. All right. So learn to enjoy receiving. And then wear the shit out of your skirt. I had a boyfriend once. He was Brandon E. He was calling that. And he used to say to me, you know what your problem is. You want to be the man in the relationship. He said, but what you know you need to do. He said, you need to learn how to wear the shit out your skirt. Then you will be all right. And I was just I'm like, oh, what is he talking about? I don't want to be the man. But that's what those ways of being kind of just out of those, you know, 10, 15 years of working around men and just victimized and powerless and not free. I had developed these ways of being that were just hidden from my view. I didn't know. And he was trying to wake me up to that. I was offended because I was like, what are you talking about? You're just this, this, da, 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 doing all that. And then about three years later, boom, it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, wear the shit out of your skirt. It's just for saying, if you move in your feminine energy, it, it, you will have me wrapped around your finger. He used to say, you know, you could get anything you want from me if you know how to ask. And he was serious. But, you know, it was too late. But anyway, I took that information later in later relationships. And then I'm a work in progress. But I'm just sharing what I've learned and I've seen that I have more power when I take responsibility and ownership and be accountable for what my life looks and feels like. So wear out your skirt doesn't mean you need to wear one, but it just means you need to master the art of feminine energy if you're a woman who identifies with, you know, with that. And there are men who have a lot of, fem who have a lot of, um, feminine energy that are able to leverage that as well in environments with a lot of masculinity. So this isn't about gender or sex or who you like to be with. This is really about uh, the harmony and a balance between two, these two energies in the same space and how to create that and understanding when to press. Because sometimes you need to bring that masculine energy. But for women, most of the time, it's with yourself. Do all that doing for yourself. All that doing, doing, doing energy, do for yourself. Do your hair, do your, <laughs> do the gym, do eat right. And then when it comes to others, you bring that, those feminine qualities outside for everyone else, creating, flowing, receiving. The people need you to receive. When I try to do something for my friend and she's like, no, 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 that hurts my feelings. So you, when you are not able to receive, then you block another person from being able to have that experience. And so finally embrace all of your emotions, all of them. Be happy, be sad. And don't feel no kind of way about it. If you want to cry, cry. Tears are just weakness leaving the body. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, the last thing you want to do is resist it because what you resist persists. So if you feel in the feeling, feel your feelings, feel all the feelings, feel them. Yep, that's it. I'm Yeah, I'm angry. Mm -hmm. I'm good and angry. Right. And then now once you acknowledge it, 
loses its it loses in potency. People like to say women are so emotional. It's not that they don't like our emotions. They love the fact that we're able to flow through emotions because theirs are so limited. So they kind of live vicariously through us, right? But but the, the problem comes in when you are driven by the emotion. So allowing yourself to not to, first of all, to acknowledge it, feel all, mm, mm-hmm, I'm hurting. I feel tears coming. That's okay. I'm in the meeting. I probably can't cry right now, but when I leave, I'm going to cry in the bathroom. But let me be with that. And then now once you're with it, it kind of neutralizes it. And now you can think strategically about what you need to do next. So just embrace the emotions. Don't run from them. We have a full range. It's God's gift to us. And do what you were made for to create. You know, make make a dollar out of 15 cents. Hey, Danielle. I'm just doing a quick time check. That's it. I'm done. That's it. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. So we have about six minutes before it's time for us to wrap up and uh do we have any questions or comments because i thought this was just amazingly good and i really enjoyed the the presentation so any comments from the audience um to share with danielle Maybe it was just too good. Uh, hi, hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for that. It's Demi speaking here. Um, I think it was. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. I think it was. I mean, I enjoyed it. I was in and out of it, but I really, I enjoyed it. I like the fact that you know you said you should take ownership, <laughs> be accountable. Um, you know, be ourselves, and that's most important because sometimes you get to want to drift to feeling to, to fit the box that other people or your other people are trying to get you to like act like um, and at that point you, you lose your authentic, authenticity so so thank you for that i mean it's quite it's quite nice to hear from from your perspective i do i do recognize you also so you're not uh, <laughs> an expert in these things like they're your they're your viewpoint they're your perspective but they're really true you know it's valid very valid so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. Anything else? Hi, Antonio. Hi, Anna. Hi, Maurice. Thank you. Hi. I would just say it was phenomenal. Really phenomenal being in the presence of your presentation and who you were being because it was quite a space for freedom and expression, full self-expression and power. And I know it was geared toward women and geared toward the feminine energy that you put forth, but I thought it was clear and I gained a lot of it. I love the see, be, do. And what that looks like, what you see, you be, and then that is gonna be a cause for action. You're gonna, and it's all gonna somehow impact in a particular way. And it could be a way that you want or don't want, but. I, I gained a lot out of it, and I'm glad that I was able to participate. Well done. Phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you for joining. Thank you for coming in. Anything else? Any questions? Okay, I saw something in the chat I wanted to read. Grace said, you can also get chastised for not crying as a woman. Like you have no emotion, which is expected because you're a woman. Yes, it's okay not to cry too. That's the whole thing. It's okay to be exactly how you are, but you've got to first be okay with it. And then everybody else is, you know? It's just, it's, it's amazing how that is. But you know, everybody's always trying to tell people how to be, you know? It's just... No freedom in that. So excellent. So uh, I would just like to say, you know, thank you, Danielle, for allowing me to <laughs> corral you into this, you know, opportunity to speak your truth and and present this message. Um, I'm I'm really grateful for you to be here today, and for all the people who actually decided to uh, come in and listen 
right? And and get something out of your message. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, I'd like to thank everyone else who attended today um, and hopefully you got something out of this great message. Um, you know, also, you know, I want to just tell you that, uh, you know, just stay safe and have peace in this holiday season that's coming up because this is our, our final meetup for 2023 and we'll be back um, next year in 2024. So, you know, thank you everyone for, for showing up. I'm going to drop one more thing in the, in the chat. And um, this is. Okay. Yep. Dropping one more thing in the chat. And, and so one of the things that I've been working on is, is really trying to highlight, you know, women of color, um, and giving them a, a space to speak. You know, Agile for Humanity has been doing that for the last three years. And and coming out of a lot of that, the thoughts is that, so I created a book called Beyond the Windowsill. It's actually a series. And it's really the story of, of a Black woman who is really leading a technology company. And so if you want to just get pictures and insights as to what that looks like, um, Go ahead and check out uh, Beyond the Windowsill. Um, you know, the character that I created, it's all fiction. The character that I created is Ashanti Muendo. And um, there's another book before that, too, called um, The Innovation Catalyst, Leading with Empathy. So there's a series of books that speak to this subject. So this was so appropriate, you know, that you're giving your presentation and just the work that I'm actually been doing for the last three years is how do we create more space for women of color to be present, tell their stories and, and also have some power right, in, in the journey. So I love with this that, um, I thank love you. And, you know, I'll stay for another five minutes if anyone just wanted to chat, but I'm going to end the recording now. And Daniel, do you want to say anything before just, I'm, let me just give you the final word before we stop recording. Oh, uh, well, I guess the, the the main thing for me is is um, having women to feel in to have power at work, have agency, and not be bound by these narratives that just you know have wanting other people to do something different. Like look to see if there may be something you can do to make a difference in what it's like for you to be at work, you know? And, and that's really, I want people to enjoy whatever it is that they're doing and be accountable and responsible for their, in, in a, uh, for their own happiness and effectiveness. It's, it's, that's, that's just, the, that's the thing. And I believe that so many other things are possible, but if we live in the realm of, of blame and denial and excuses, and this is how it is, then that really stamps out anything else from being possible. And I'm just saying, if you look newly, there may be something new to see for you to do or ways of being. That's it. It's just what else is possible outside of, you know, what they throw at us. That's it. That's, that's it. Just what else is possible? Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.